Hey, Westside family, Jake Gilbert here, one of the leaders in charge of our media department. Thanks for joining us for today's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. We love you guys, and enjoy. We are still in our temple series, and it's not a message about show me the bread, but it's actually looking at the furnishings, one of the furnishings of the inside of the actual tent of meeting uh, that was in the temple area. And one of the furnishings was uh, the table of showbread. So anyway, I thought I was going to be hitting, I think I was just, you know, goodwill thinking, hitting all three uh, furnishings tonight. But God knows when I jump into the scripture and just things just kind of, you know, it's like a domino effect for me. And so I'm only going to be teaching on, uh, on the table of showbread. But really the emphasis is tonight about the bread that is actually on the table. So the table was what it was, a table. There definitely is representation because as I've said before, every single thing that has to do with the, with the temple or the tabernacle of meeting in scripture uh, is very symbolic Uh, has metaphors and representations uh, for the Old Testament lifestyle, but also for the New Testament lifestyle. So there is definitely something there, but I really felt the need to not really so much emphasize the table, but to emphasize the bread that was on the table that was inside the tent of meeting. So bread in scripture is very important. It wasn't just something that people ate. It wasn't just a part of their diet. It was a very important part of their diet, but worship was, but bread was also a part of their worship. That's why this bread was in one of the most holiest places for all of Israel. So it was inside the tent of meeting in the first room, because there was two rooms in the tent of meeting. It was inside the first room. Uh, It wasn't inside the second room, which is the most holy place. It was inside the first room. So just the fact that bread was in the actual temple itself, and remember, the only people that could enter inside that temple was the priest. Nobody else was allowed in there. So the fact that it was a sacred place, it was a holy place, It was a place where there was acts of worship that was carried out. And the fact that we have bread, edible bread that was actually eaten in there gives us the reality that bread is very important in the Bible. When you read the Bible and you study the Bible and you come across bread, you can look at it in a few different ways. You can look at it in a literal way. It's literal bread that people are using at one point and another. You can also look at it as a a, 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 a symbolic form. It's God trying to say something uh, because of the bread that is being used in this certain place. You can also look at it in the form of the future or in application to us. So bread in scripture is very, very uh, important. For us, and it was important for uh, Israel, 
uh, in their day. So bread in scripture represents truth. Can you say truth? That's one thing you will definitely come across, that bread in the Bible represents truth. How many of you know, some of you may not agree, because this is common in the church today, but there is only one absolute truth. That truth is not relative. In other words, that there's not one truth, a bunch of truths that just lead to one point, but the Bible is absolute in its truth. So bread represents an absolute truth that you find in the Holy Scriptures or the sacred text. Bread also represents Jesus. So if you're looking at bread in the Old Testament, if you really dive into that, you, you, you might see it immediately or you might have to dive into it a little bit, but it, it will always come back to Jesus in some form or fashion. And then bread is also represents communion, not just one type of communion. And I'm not necessarily talking about the type of, type of communion that we do in church services, you know, where you have the juice or the wine and then the bread. But communion with God, so bread represents communion with God, but bread also represents communion with one another. So those are a few things that bread represents in the scripture. So I just wanted you to see and realize that bread is a very, very important factor when it comes to the Bible. And when you're reading the Bible and you come across the term bread, uh, you could pause and you can kind of look and see, is it representing truth? Is it representing Jesus? Is it representing communion? Another one is sustenance. Is it representing something that God is going to sustain you with? So bread is important. So now let's jump into the temple. I have a little video for you, about a one-minute video, just to kind of give you a, a visual of what the table of showbread was and where it was at and all that good stuff. So let's, let's play that. And can I get some water up here, please? Thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood. Two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, and make thereto a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt make unto it a border of an hand breadth round about, and thou shalt make a golden crown to the border thereof round about. And thou shalt make for it four rings of gold, and put the rings in the four corners that are on the four feet thereof. Over against the border shall the rings be for the places of the staves, to bear the table. And thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold, that the table may be borne with them. And thou shalt make the dishes thereof, and the spoons thereof, and covers thereof, and bowls thereof, to cover withal, of pure gold shalt thou make them. And thou shalt set upon the table showbread before me always. Okay, so you get a little bit of an idea of what it literally was. Now, a lot of what I'm going to be sharing tonight has to do with the actual literal facts about uh, the, the showbread uh, there in the tent of meeting. Uh, if the Lord leads, I might jump into some application. We'll just see how that works out. But there's quite a bit of information here tonight. So 
a lot of this is really just biblical teaching. We'll see if the Lord moves uh, to, to, to get me out of that zone. But so number one is it had other names than just showbread. It was also called the bread of face, F-A-C-E. It was also called the bread of the presence. The reason it was called the bread of face or the bread of the presence is because where it was at, it was something that the priest would go to before they entered into the presence of God or come to what was a type of experiencing the face of God inside the most holy place. So that's another name for it. It wasn't just showbread. It was the bread of face, and it was the bread of presence. It had to be eaten before the priest went into the most holy place, when the priest went into the most holy place, because it was only one time a year. So number two is there was 12 loaves of bread on that table. And there are some interesting things. So those 12 loaves of bread represent, does anybody know what, what they represented in the Old Testament form? Help me out. 12 tribes of Israel. Does anybody know what it represents in the New Testament form? The 12 apostles. Thank you. So we have the table of showbread. One side was six loaves stacked up. The other side was six loaves stacked up, represented the 12 tribes of Israel, and futuristically or prophetically represented the coming 12 apostles. Apostles, okay? Now, when the priest partook of this bread, which was done once a week, that was on the Sabbath, when the priests partook of this bread and they actually ate the loaves, when they was eating, it was as if they were eating, they were consuming, they were taking in the bread of life on behalf of all the people of Israel that was represented in the 12 tribes of Israel. Can you imagine eating that much bread? Mm, I can't. I like bread, but not that much. Some other interesting things is the meaning of 12. When you look at 12 in the Bible, uh, it represents a few things. It can represent power. It can represent authority. It can represent perfection. More specifically, a perfect government. Specifically, again, the government of God. So you have 12 loaves of bread that represents truth. So the bread represents truth, but the number represents power and authority. So what you have is this bread really represents the power and or authority that comes from truth. But it also means the perfect establishment that God created through his 12 tribes, because out of the 12 tribes of Israel came God's blessing unto the world. Amen. But it also represents the perfect Government that God created through the 12 apostles. I'm not talking about a civil or government, civil government, but I'm talking more about God's way for the New Testament church. So get this. So you, you, you find in the book, book of Acts chapter two, that you have this occurrence to where 3,000 people got saved. 3,000 people come to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. They're, they deny their existing faith. They embrace this new faith. You go down to the bottom or the end of chapter 2, and it gives you five or six things that they begin to embrace, that they adopted into their life. 
and it's really what makes up a healthy church. But the very first thing that they adopted into their life, it doesn't say the, G, the teachings of Jesus. It says the teachings of the apostles. Now, those apostles was the 12 apostles. So through Jesus, God established in the apostles a perfect way of living. These 3,000 people who just came to Jesus, the first thing that they were taught was the, was the power and the authority, symbolically, of the bread. The 12, through the 12 apostles, the perfect form of God's government or God's order, God's structure, God's way, and God's will for humanity. The Bible says, after that, and there's a few other things. They also prayed, they also fellowshiped, they met one another's needs, and then uh, there were signs and wonders that occurred. And the Bible says that God added to them daily. Why did God add to them daily? Because what they were being taught and what they were living by was a perfect form of order that came from the 12 apostles. So these 12 loaves of bread not only represents the 12 tribes of Israel, these 12 loaves of bread represents the teachings from the 12 apostles that create a perfect form of order that God established and created for the New Testament believer to live by. There's a reason that's number 12. Look at somebody and say, that was good. Now check this one out. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, give me a guess. How many pounds, notice I said plural, was one loaf of bread? Huh? I'm hard of hearing because of guns, motorcycles, and guitars. <laughs> or speakers. Say it, say it loud. Ten, oh, not, not, not quite. That, that would be a heavy, heavy piece of bread. Actually, one loaf of bread, and this was unleavened bread, so if you know anything about bread, if it's unleavened, it, is, it can get extremely dense. Five, up to five pounds, or about five pounds, four to five pounds. So imagine you had a round, kind of a, a flat bowl. If it had leaven in it, it would form a bowl, right? That's that. Uh, how many of you like, uh, you know, your, your bowl-shaped sourdough breads? All right. Well, if this would have had a leavener like sourdough or like uh, yeast in it, it would have created, but it didn't have a leavener in it, so it remained flat. So can you imagine a flat bowl of bread that was five pounds? How many? How many did they have? Help me out, mathematicians. I know it. I ain't done, but help me out. So how many pounds of bread was on that one table? 60 pounds of bread. Now, I don't know exactly how many priests ate that bread. I, I hope for the brother himself, it just wasn't one dude having to eat 60 pounds of bread. But can you imagine? I think that would constipate that joker out of this world. I think, I don't know. But, but can you imagine the misery behind that? But in all reality, they consumed this unleavened bread for the sake of what it represented, for the sake of their duties. I'm making light of it, but it really was uh, more serious. And the seriousness and the harshness of it really is a representation. It's, a, it's one of the representation of what it means to, uh, to be a priest. Because 
The duty of a priest is burdensome. The duty of a priest is hard. The duty of a priest is not always so pleasant. Now remember my message a couple months ago that God's will was to establish a kingdom of priests. And because of Christ, you and I each are called by God to be priests. So that means we are called by God to bear the burden, the weight of priestly duties. And some of these priestly duties is having to eat things that may not be so easy to eat. We get all happy and excited about the word of God. But let's be honest this morning. There's some things in the word of God that's tough to swallow, that's tough to eat, and is not that enjoyable because there are some things in the word of God requires that we crucify this flesh, die to the sinful nature that we all have from our birth. And so it's a part of the burden or a part of the burden is having to do things for people, love people, when those people may not love you back. So we think all bread, they got to eat bread every Sunday. They had a feast of bread. It wasn't the best. Have you ever had unleavened bread? Yeah, yeah, I have. It ain't good. Have you had unleavened bread? That's five pounds. Do you know how dense that would be? No, that's like stinking chewing a, a, a brick. You know what I mean? It's not, not very good. Anyway, now there was a process for all this to happen. Like for them to have the bread, I want you to throw this out at you because it's another great representation. So there was a, a very pretty big and drawn out process for bread to be made. Number one, uh, the wheat had, had to be grown. Number two, it had to be cut. Number three, it had to be separated, separate the wheat from the tares. Number four, it had to be ground. Number five, it had to be mixed. Number six, it had to be baked. In between mixing and baking, there had to be a fire built because their bread was baked in an earthen oven. And then uh, the last one, uh, it had to be eaten. Now, just from the uh, grinding to the eaten part, grind, mix, and being baked, it took about three hours. And when, and, and, and honestly, in, in th at this time and in, in this culture, this was a job that women did. And it was very, very hard work for a woman to grind the grains uh, like she did in order to have the flour that she used to make bread. She would grind the grains. She would either use water, vinegar, or fruit juice to create a, a more liquid-type form, uh, a dough, and then she would bake it in an earthen oven. And that three hours of work only fed about five people. Five people. And guess what? It's unleavened, hard as a brick bread. It's not like you're cooking five hours and you're smoking, you know, you're, 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 you're smoking some, some goat or something, because they had goat and lamb and beef too, right? It's like you're, you're, you're doing all this work and... And the payoff, the payoff is, is, is really small. But the reason I'm telling you that, again, it goes, it goes to or it represents the work of making bread for us spiritually. Making bread back in the day was very hard. I, I, making bread is, is, is something I do for my family. So uh, all, all, all different, you know, different types of bread. And, you know, 
I can't really say it's hard. You know, it, it, it requires sensitivity, it requires knowledge, it requires a lot of time, sometimes 24 hours. But it, it can't really say it's hard. This was hard, very hard work to do. And again, what it represents is the difficulty of making and giving bread or the making or giving of truth. I've had people say to me, you don't got a hard job. All you do is get up there once a week and you speak for 45 minutes. I wish I had a job like yours. It's like, I wish you had an imprint of my fist and right from your... <laughs> I want to get... It's like, well, what I would like to do to you is give you my... Uh, this is called the five-fold ministry, sucker. And I would like to really minister you right now with the five-fold ministry. Everybody ever heard of that? Five-fold ministry? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not the real me coming out. <laughs> I've been sanctified, blood bought, and the Holy Ghost has changed me. Can I get it? Can I get it? I believe you. Yeah, you don't believe me. That's why you didn't say that. But you get the point. It represents hard work. Delivering truth. It's not physically hard. Let's just be real. It's not physically hard. But mentally, emotionally, Spiritually, it is a, it is a, a very draining uh, task. And this, is, and, and this represents that task. Let, let's, let's move on. I'm, I'm lingering there too much, messing around too much. So every Sabbath, the, the, the priest would eat the bread. And it represented communion with God for the 12 tribes of Israel. So when the priest would go in and they would eat, it represented, it was on behalf of the 12 tribes of Israel. And it was communion with God because they, they couldn't come do this uh, in this way and in this, in, the, and in this fashion. So the priest did it for them. But also, I, I really like this, this part, what I'm about to share with you. On the table, some things would tell you it was on a table. Some things would tell you that it was actually on the bread. It's neither here nor there. The point is, with the bread was frankincense. And so before the priest would eat the bread, the priest would take the frankincense that was on the table of showbread, and they would take it over to the altar of incense. And they would light it on fire, and the frankincense would send an aroma up, and it represented a sacrifice and a point of worship unto God. And the reason they did it is that God was having his own uh, communion with, with the scent that was coming up as the priest was having communion with their bread. And what it represented, number one, it represented that God gets the first. And you can find this principle throughout scripture. God gets the first fruits. God gets our tithes. The first and greatest commandment in all the scripture is to love the Lord God with all your heart. The first commandment is have no other gods before me. You get the point. God is always first. And so before the priest ate the bread on behalf of the people, before the priest entered into this zone of communing with God, they had to offer up the sacrifice of worship because that's what it represented. They had to worship God, and in their worship to God, there was this communion that was going on. I find that to be so, so, uh, so beautiful. 
uh, uh, for me because of their communion with God. Now, something that also was there, some say it was for drinking, some say it was not for drinking. I didn't dive into that, and I'm not going to try to say. But there was also wine there, okay? Wine was, there, there was a vast uh, of wine with the showbread. One thing for sure is wine represents blood, Blood represents sacrifice. And if there's one thing without diving into the, the, the deep nose of, of that particular point is that while we are consuming the bread of God, we can never, 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 can you say never? We can never forget the sacrifice of God. Some people get so involved in church. They get involved in the function. They get involved in the activity. They get involved in the feeling of worship. They get involved in the emotion of preaching. They get involved in the service to the community. They get so involved with the production of bread that they forget about the sacrifice. And that's why a good movement can become a bad religion. Because religion is godly works without God. And there was wine with the bread. And the wine was a reminder of the sacrifice that occurred before they came to the bread of truth. Never, never forget the sacrifice. It's the foundation of our faith. Jesus dying on the cross. Two things to never forget. Jesus dying on the cross for us. It is what has given us access to God. Without Jesus, you and I, Unless you are Jewish. Hector, you're Jewish, right? So Hector, Hector's blessed. We're Gentiles. Unless somebody else. We're like Gentiles, right? Hector would have access. We wouldn't have access. That's unfair, Hector. But yeah, yeah, okay, okay. But the point is, we cannot forget about the sacrifice. Cannot forget about the blood of Jesus. We also can't forget what the Bible teaches us for you and I to be living sacrifices. So we can't fall into the trap and be like, oh, Jesus died for me. I can do whatever I want to do, and I'm heaven bound. No, 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 no. You get yourself in trouble that way. Now, I'm not going to jump on that topic, but you get yourself in trouble. So we cannot forget about the two sacrifices, the sacrifice of Christ and the sacrifice that the Bible teaches us to live. The Bible says for us to be living sacrifices unto the Lord and then it says, it is our reasonable service. It's reasonable to do the right thing when God's son gave his life for us. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's move, let, let, let's move on. Where are we at? Number five. Is the table was, uh, no, that was the wine. Uh, priests could take. Okay, here's another good one. Number six. Is only priests could come into the tent, partake of the bread. I've already said that. We are priests, so we get access. Here's something else to think about. So the priests ate the bread on a weekly basis, not a daily basis. But we, as priests of the new covenant, a royal priesthood, part of the kingdom of priests, we partake of the bread of truth on a daily basis. What's very interesting is the connection with, with this now and how Jesus responded to the Sabbath during his three years of ministry. So during Jesus' three years of ministry, there was a point when they were walking through a field. Now, Jesus didn't do it, but his disciples did do it. They picked the grain, they opened up the sheaves, and they began to eat the grain. Some religious jokers saw that, and they began to judge them and say that they did what they was not supposed to do on the Sabbath. This is not a godly man. Jesus had a pretty good argument with them, and Jesus came out the winner on this. But we see 
Jesus, Jesus approached the Sabbath a little bit different than, than the Pharisaical uh, Jews did, okay? And there was, an, there, there was another time. So Jesus was in the synagogue. There was a man with a withered hand. And long story short, Jesus basically healed that man. And it was after Jesus healed that man on the Sabbath in the synagogue that there became a plan to kill Jesus. So Jesus honored the Sabbath because we know Jesus is a sinless, was a sinless being. But Jesus approached the Sabbath a little bit different. And so with Jesus approaching the Sabbath a little bit different, it ties into the fact that we don't partake of the, the bread of truth once a week. We partake of the bread of truth how often? Every single day. So for us, somebody going before the Lord on our, on our behalf doesn't happen. Us only partaking of, of the bread of truth once a week shouldn't happen. Some people, that is the way for some people. Even once a year or whatever. But so what it should be, like Jesus approached the Sabbath, the day of the bread of life being consumed, we also approach it different. It's a daily occurrence. It should be a daily occurrence for us and not a weekly ceremonial or just religious occurrence. Does that make sense? Yep. It's important. Now let's just look at real quick Jesus and the connection to bread. So you, you, you get the idea. There was the table of showbread. There was all this bread on it. And you, I, I've given you a lot of information on what the bread represents, how it was used, how it can be applied uh, in, in, in our context. Now, I, I, I want us to end on this. Let's just look at a few things in regards to Jesus and his connection to bread. So bread back in that day was a life source. It was very sustainable. I don't want to use the term easily, but they had access to grain. So them having, them making was very important. They may not be able to go out and kill an animal, or they may not be able to have a garden, but they had access to bread uh, daily. And so for them, bread was very important. They ate it daily, and it sustained their life. That is why... It was called the bread of life, and that is, is why it was called their daily bread. The bread of life didn't just come about because Jesus was known as the bread of life, and our daily bread didn't come, come about because someone just had a good idea that, oh, that's a nice thing to say about Scripture and us reading the Bible. No, bread, the, the term bread of life and daily bread actually came from uh, the importance of the Jewish culture uh, in regards to bread. And Jesus eluded to himself as the bread of life or the bread of truth because of how important bread was to the culture in which he was preaching to or in which he was trying to save. In fact, John 3, sorry, I'm looking at my, my third point. John 6, 51 says, I am the living bread. This is Jesus speaking. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give him 
is my flesh, that's him dying on the cross, which I shall give for the life of the world. See, Jesus referred to himself as living bread, the bread of truth, the bread of life, because he knew if he said it that way, the people he was speaking to would be able to connect the dots because of how important bread was to them in their lifestyle and how they were sustained. And Jesus was basically saying to them, I am the bread that will not only sustain you here on earth, but if you believe in me, if you eat of my flesh, then you will be sustained for eternity. I am the bread of truth. Pretty awesome. Now what's another interesting is he said that shortly after he fed the 5,000. So he fed the 5,000, he multiplied fish, and he multiplied loaves of bread. They came to him the next day, and they was like, Jesus, Jesus, we want manna from heaven. And then Jesus broke out into this statement, and he wanted them to realize that what he offers is more than just physical contentment that he provided for them the day before. He blessed them with manna from heaven, which was a physical form of heavenly bread. But then he came out and he told them, I am the bread of life, not the manna I gave you yesterday. Listen to me. Whatever God blesses you with here on earth does not compare to what he has already done for you that gives you access to eternity in heaven. And he truly is the bread of life, not because what he can do for you on earth God can bless us on earth, and if we live by his principles, guess what? We will be blessed because the Bible says it numerous times. But the truth, the real, the, the real effectiveness of it, what we should really hold on to is Jesus just does not provide manna from heaven, blessing on earth, but Jesus provides the bread of life that allows us eternity in heaven. Amen? Amen. Where am I? So number five. Oh, no, number six. So uh, uh, I got two, two, more, two more connections. Bethlehem. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So Bethlehem, does anybody know what Bethlehem means? Shout it out to me if you do. Help me out. Or let me hear you. It means, yeah, somebody said a house of bread. You guys got to speak loud. I told you I'm hard to hear. Cheaters. Cheaters. You know, when I speak, to be, to be straight with you, I totally forget about this stuff. Like, like, I totally forget about it. I don't even know what's there. I got such bad tunnel vision uh, when, 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 when I speak. Or I'm looking at your faces and you're like. <laughs> or you're probably like. And I want to come put my finger in your mouth. But then you might bite it. But. So he was born in Bethlehem. And Bethlehem was the house of, I, I find, I, man, I find that connection to be so tight. It's like, ooh, ah, la, la. The seventh one is, this is another good one. The show, in order for there to be showbread, the showbread, or any kind of bread, the grain had to be ground down. It had to be crushed. It had to be broke. There had to be a separation. 
You can go through Jesus' life and look at different types of separation, a separation between him and heaven, separation between him and God. When he was on the cross, there was a separation because he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? A separation from intimacy. You see a separation when he would get off and pray. You see a separation from him and the crowds. You see all this separation. And grain had to be separated. It had to be separated. The wheat had to be separated from the chaff. It had to be separated from the tares there. It had all this separation going on. Then the grain had to be grounded, broken, grounded, broken, grounded, broken. In order for you and I to have life today, Jesus had to be grounded and pounded. Amen? Amen. And it just didn't start in the Garden of Gethsemane. It started the day his ministry started. After he was baptized and he was blessed by his heavenly father, he was led, Mark says, driven into the wilderness, fasted 40 days, tempted three times. The Bible says he was very weak and it took angels ministering to him. Jesus was grounded and pounded in order for us to eat the bread of life. But an, another awesome connection, so let's... So grain is grounded. It's mixed with water, some liquid form. And then it's put into an earthen vessel for there to be fire. And then it becomes bread. We receive Jesus. We receive the infilling of his spirit. We receive the baptism of fire by his spirit. And we receive this new life that is in us. But it all happened because Jesus, the bread, had to be grounded and pounded. Amen? Amen. So that's my teaching on the showbread, more, more focused on, on the bread. Jesus is our bread. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.